In the beginning of the parsha, Rashi quotes the words "Shlach l'cha anoshim sent for your souls, men," and he explains "Lamanismucha parshas miragim leparshas Miriam." What is a parsha that miragim come right after parshas Miriam? Lefi shelaksal iskediba because Miriam was stricken; she was punished because of iskediba because of the conversations and things that she spoke. Shedibra baachia that she spoke about her brother. Urshoim halalu and these Rishoim ro they saw v'leilachu musar and they didn't take a lesson. Says the Rebbe, we need to understand. We discussed already many times that from the actual fact that only in a number of places does Rashi tell us the reason of why certain parshiyas come near each other. That proves that according to the learning and way of pshat and the simple way of learning the chumash, which is Rashi's way of explaining in Pirushei Alatayra. So usually there's no question why is it that Parshiyas are near each other and Rashi does not need to explain. Certainly, if the Parshiyas are written in chronological order, then there's definitely no need to explain why one follows the other because that's exactly how they happen. Based on all of this, it's not understood as Mepharshim in fact ask. The story of the Miraglim, Moshe Rabbein is sending the Miraglim, happens right after the story of Miriam. It's the very next day after the seven days that Miriam was quarantined, that Miriam wasn't able to be in par- part of the camp, the very next day is the story of the Miraglim. So what's the question that's bothering Rashi? Why does Parshas Miraglim come right after the story of Miriam? Of course that's when it comes. It's exactly when it happened. The Rebbe says we also need to understand the number of the Yukim in Rashi, to mention a few. Number one, the expression, she was stricken because of her getting involved in different conversations and talking. Rashi should have been more specific and clear and should have said she was stricken because of Lashon Hara. In fact, Rashi uses that very expression in Parsha Shmois. Rashi says, Shalaksa Miriam, Miriam was stricken because of Lashon Hara. The question is even stronger. A little further, the Pasuk, Rashi translates the word Diba. And Rashi says that the word Diba is an expression of chinuch dvarim, of training, of talk. It's a lotion of conversation, basically. Rashi says, Vyeshna Diba could be talking for the good, conversations and good things. Vyeshna and it could be with a negative connotation. It could mean bad talk. So when Rashi says over here, Shalaksal iske Diba, the word Diba itself doesn't even necessarily tell us that there was a sin. On the contrary, it could have even been something positive. So why is Rashi using this expression, Lashen Diba? Another question. Why does Rashi add the words, Shedibra Ba'achia, because she spoke about her brother? Seemingly what's relevant over here is just the fact that she was stricken because of the things she said. Why is it so relevant over here about whom she was talking? Number three. Why does Rashi say, Urishoyim halolu? Why does he have to elaborate and say, and these Rishoyim saw and they didn't take a lesson, etc.? Rashi could have just said, Bekitzer, Vehem Ro'u, they saw and they didn't take a lesson. Why is it relevant over here that we're speaking about these Rishoyim, that we're calling them Rishoyim? We know exactly who we're talking about. We're speaking about the Miraglim. So Rashi could have just said, Shaheim. Another question that Rebbe asks is on the words, Ro'u Veloilokhu Musar. They saw, and they didn't take a lesson. Says the Rebbe, why didn't it say, like it does say elsewhere in Chumash, it should have said, Ra'u Musar Veloi Shamaru. They saw the lesson, they saw what happened, and they didn't keep to it. So what's this expression, Ra'u, they saw, Veloi Lakhu Musar. Another question that Rebbe has is, number five, 
Why is Rashi in his Dibra Maschil also quoting the words, in addition to the word Shlach, he's also quoting the words L'cho Anoshim. Seemingly it would have been better just to quote the word Shlach, similar to the way Rashi, in the beginning of Parshas Baaloischa, where he's also explaining why the two Parshias come near each other. The Parsha in the beginning of Baaloischa, which is the Parsha of the Menorah. And the parsha that becomes before that, the parsha of the Nesim. Rashi only quotes the word Baaloischa. He doesn't say Baaloischa Saneirois. So here Rashi could have also just quoted that first word, Shlach. To understand all of this, says the Rebbe, we'll first preface the question of the Ramban. And the question is, what was really the terrible sin about what the Miraglim have actually done? Their Shlichus was to find out, as the Pasuk says, Esha'oretz Mahi, what the land is like. What are the people living on the land? What are they like? Are they strong? What are the cities like? Are they fortified, etc.? So what is the terrible sin and the crime that the Miraglim did? Seemingly, they came back, they said the truth, exactly what they saw. As Ha'am, the people are very strong, and the cities are very, very strongly fortified, etc. Now, we cannot answer that their sin was the fact that they said the words Eretz Oichelos Yeshver, that it's a land that consumes its inhabitants, or the fact that they added their own conclusion and said, we're not going to be able to go up and conquer this land because they're stronger than us. We can't answer that. Why? Because as the Ramban says, that even before they said these proclamations, already Kalev comes up, gets involved, he quietens everyone down. In other words, there was some problem already with the way they spoke to the people. There was something wrong already, even before they added those words. So even from the words that they already said, that the people are strong and that the cities are strong, there seems to be there was already some sort of problem with trying to understand what that problem was. Furthermore, the Rebbe says, even when they say their conclusion, that we're not going to be able to go up and conquer, even that could have a limutzchus and not necessarily a sin or a big crime. They didn't say, we will not go up. They're not saying we're not going to do what Hashem said. Hashem said to go up. They're not saying we're not going to do it. They said, according to their evaluation of the strength of the people in the land, according to their evaluation of the koiches of the Yidden, they are saying we don't have the ability, Alpiteva, to be able to conquer Eretz Yisrael. So again, we're still trying to find out what was so terrible about what they said. Now, we might suggest that what they said, that itself is, a big, is, is the problem, because, as Chazal tell us, that means that they were saying that against Hashem, that as if even Hashem can't manage to help us conquer Eretz Yisrael. But the Rebbe says, even this Al-Derech Abshat wouldn't necessarily be Kfirah, in Hashem. Rather, what are they saying? They're saying the nations are so much stronger than the Yidden that we can't even imagine how to deal with them even through miracles. In other words, even miracles have certain limitations the way we usually saw what miracles accomplish. And that's why, what does Kalev answer back? He doesn't say, yes, we will be able to conquer it, Alpiteva. And he doesn't, he doesn't even say that, yes, Hashem will be able to help us with miracles. He says a bit of an extreme expression. He says, We will surely go up, which Rashi explains to us as meaning that it means even if we were commanded to go up to Shamayim 
even to the heavens, even if we were told to build ladders to climb up to the heavens, we would even be able to be successful in that. In other words, what's Kalev saying? We need to listen to the Ebishter to the without any cheshboinus. In other words, even if he tells us to, to go to Eretz Yisrael, even if it's in a way, a kind of miracle that we never ever previously experienced, like going up to the heavens, even then we would be successful. In other words, in summary again, the actual fact that they said we wouldn't be able to go up, all they're saying is, based on previous miracles, even those kind of miracles wouldn't help us. So Kalev is saying, Hashem could do even greater miracles, fine. But we're still not understanding what was so terrible about what they said in their evaluation. It seemed to be they came to the correct, in their mind at least, conclusions. So sin says that, but the whole point of sending these miraglim was to find out the strength of the people in the land and the land itself and to prepare to a, th- for a natural war. And Alpiteva, in their evaluation, they said, we're not going to manage this, and that was true. So we're back to the big question of what was so terrible about their crime that they came along and they said the conclusion of what they had estimated. Says the Rebbe, it is this very question that Rashi is answering by explaining to us why these two parshias of the Miraglim and Miriam are joined together. Explaining based on what had happened to Miriam, how she was stricken, and that the smichus of these parshias is going to help us understand what exactly was the problem, what was the hate of the Miraglim. To explain. When Rashi asks, why are these two parshias together? As we said before, there seemingly is no problem. Shiluach HaMiraglim actually did happen right after the story with Miriam. What's bothering Rashi is actually the other way. In other words, sometimes says that we actually intentionally should put in a pause, a break, a separation between two parshias, even when they do follow each other chronologically. And they should have technically been next to each other. Sometimes specifically, we should try to separate them. Like Rashi had already explained in the previous parsha in Baaloischa, on the parsha of Ayyibin Soyahorin, Rashi explains why are those three psukum of Ayyibin Soyahorin inserted right there in order to interrupt between two very, very negative incidents that happened. So sometimes we specifically put in something to make an interruption. It says that Rebbe, the same thing should have been over here. This is what's bothering Rashi. When we learn these two parshas, the parsha of Miriam and the parsha of the Miraglim, one after the other, both of them are speaking about matters of Lashon Hara. We could come up with a terrible mistake thinking that the Miriam and the Miraglim are chas v'shalom on the same level, or at least in some way close and similar to each other. Now, even though we would right away be able to see, oh, there's a huge difference to the extremes between the results of their sins, by Miriam, so even after she's quarantined, and the people don't, so what happens? The people don't travel until she's completely healed. And as Rashi tells us over there, that the Torah actually gives her tremendous, tremendous honor that everyone waited for her. In other words, we see that even after what happened, she's still treated in this way, clearly indicating how great she was. Whereas by the Miraglim, number one, they themselves die. Number two, all of the doyer is going to die in the Midbar. And because of this, number three, their children even are going to have to wander in the Midbar for 40 years. So even though you'd say, no, don't worry about it, no one's going to compare them, we clearly see huge differences. Nevertheless, someone might still think and say that it's not because the Miraglim are such big Rishoyim, 
It's only that as a result of them not being careful with what they said, so it ended up that all the other Yidin also ended up stumbling and rebelling against Hashem and not wanting to go into Eretz Yisroel, whereas by Miriam the Lashon Hara was more of a private matter and it didn't impact anyone else. But technically speaking, one might still end up thinking and saying that more or less they both really are on the same level, but one had more of an impact, the other one didn't. In fact, says the Rebbe, that's exactly why Rashi quotes the words in his Dibra Maschal, we asked, why does he quote the words in addition to Shlach? He also says, L'cho Anoshim. Because that, it would strengthen even more this mistake, that Miraglim are in some way similar to Miriam. How is that? Since the Miraglim were saying L'cho, what does L'cho mean? Rashi tells us, L'daytacha, in other words, it's with the acknowledgement of, of Moshe Rabbeinu. It's of Moshe Rabbeinu's opinion that they should be sent. He's the one sending them on such an important um, mission. That itself shows that clearly these Miraglim have incredible, incredible qualities. And not just regular Milois, but specifically in this area of this Shlichus. In fact, that's what the word Anoshim means. The Torah refers to them Anoshim, which means, as Rashi says, that Anoshim over here means that they were very Choshev, that they were Kshedim, they were proper people at this time. So all of this again would lead someone to think that maybe there's some sort of comparison between Miriam and the Miraglim. In order to negate this kind of mistake and to make clear that the Miraglim are in no way similar, chas v'sholem, and on the same level as Miriam, seemingly, this is bothering Rashi, seemingly the Torah should have made an interruption between these two parshies with something else to clearly show that don't compare the two, they're nothing similar to each other. And that's what Rashi is asking, why are we putting Parshas Miraglim together with Parshas Miriam? Comes Rashi and says, why did we put them together? Because she was stricken because of the conversations and the talks that she had, and these Rishoyim saw and they didn't take a lesson. That is, Torah put these two poor Parshas together in order to tell us another aspect of the tremendous sin of the Miraglim. And this is going to help us answer why they were punished so badly. And that is because here you Miraglim, you just had an opportunity so close to take a lesson from the story of Miriam and yet you did not take a lesson from that. The lesson was not in a way that they had to meditate on it, contemplate on it, thinking of a lesson of something that they could have had. Rather it's something that was there for the taking. It was such an open and obvious lesson. All they needed to do is Musa just take it. And they didn't. From the fact that they should have taken a lesson from the story of Miriam, that comes along and show us that the actual sins were somewhat of the same category. Again, different. we said before, there's of course no way we could compare Miriam and the Miraglim. Miriam is a great Sadekis and the Miraglim, as Rashi is going to refer to them as Rishoim. The Rebbe is going to elaborate on that soon. But the things that happened, the things that they did, were somehow in the same category, as the Rebbe will explain. And that's why they should have taken a lesson. And that's what they should have stopped them from doing this sin in order to negate this concept of what happened by Miriam. And this is why we understand now why Rashi adds those words and emphasizes Urishoyim Halolu, which was one of the Rebbe's questions. Why does it have to say Urishoyim Halolu? With this Rashi is telling us that the comparison between what happened in these two cases is only in regards to the act, to the sin that was done, but not in regards to the people. 
What is Rashi calling them? Not only sinners or other similar words, but Rishoyim Halalu. Completely the opposite of Miriam, who we just learned that Kavat Cholik Lo'amokim, that Hashem wanted to give her honor. So what's going on over here? So the Rebbe explains in Sivov. Seemingly, we could ask, what actually was the hate of Miriam? The f- things that she said about Moshe, as the Pasuk says, about the woman that she had married, as Rashi explains, the beautiful woman that she married, the one with all the qualities, the Atta Gersha, and now he divorced her. Seemingly, all of this was 100% true. Moshe Rabbeinu did divorce her. This caused her pain, etc. So what Miriam said was true. Furthermore, Miriam was not even trying to say something bad about Moshe. Again, Rashi says, She wasn't trying to say something to, to disgrace him. The only real problem was that she did not evaluate Moshe's level, the qualities of Moshe in the proper way. In other words, she says like this, did Hashem only speak to Moshe Rabbeinu? Hashem spoke to us as well. So she's making a comparison that she's similar to Moshe Rabbeinu. She didn't understand Moshe Rabbeinu is way, way, way even beyond that level. She thought that Moshe Rabbeinu should have not separated from his wife. So because she didn't understand the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu to its ultimate greatest degree, that's why she deserves such a great punishment. So Rashi explains what her sin was. It wasn't Lashon Hara. It wasn't Dibarah. It wasn't about bad talk. The problem was that she was talking. The actual fact that she was involved in talking, in conversing, Ba'arichos, elaborating about what Moshe Rabbeinu did, that itself was already the problem. That is, when Miriam sees Moshe acting in a certain way that she does not understand, what should she do? Don't talk about it. Definitely don't talk about it with lots of involvement. Even if you're saying just the truth, and even if you don't mean to disgrace him, as I said before, when you start getting involved in all these conversations and talking about Moshe, it's not going to bring to positive talk. It's not going to bring to positive talk. In fact, it can only lead to negative things. And if you really have an issue and you want to understand Moshe Rabbeinu's conduct, then walk over to Moshe Rabbeinu quietly and ask him about it. Says the Rebbe, this is exactly the same thing or similar to this is what happened by the Miraglim. They didn't say lies about Eretz Yisroel. But the conversations they had, the way they talked about it, Iskei discussing it a lot, conversations about it, discussing it to so, and with so much elaboration, and discussing the strength of all the people living there, and to the extent where it scared the Yidin generally of wanting to go into Eretz Yisrael. If you're really wondering, if you really have a problem, how the Abishtah could go to Eretz Yisrael, if the people in Eretz Yisrael are so strong, then walk over to Moshe Rabbeinu and ask him about it, or at least just briefly, you know, speak about it. But this whole idea of making conversations and discussing it and speaking a lot about the strength of the people uh, living there. And with that conclusion saying, oh, we won't be able to make it, we won't be able to go up. All this could lead to is chas v'shalem to this rebellion of eventually the Yidden saying, let us appoint a head and return to Mitzrayim. Says the Rebbe in Siv Zayin. How did Ataka happen that Miriam spoke about Moshe Rabbeinu? So we understand this from what she said. When she argued and said, Did Hashem only speak with Moshe Rabbeinu? He spoke with us as well. In other words, since Miriam knows that the Ebishter speaks to her, to Aaron as well. So she did not imagine that Moshe Rabbeinu is so much greater and so much higher than her to the extent 
that's going to end up causing pain to this beautiful woman that she married, and that she's going to be in pain. This is going to free Moshe Rabbeinu from fulfilling the mitzvah of Hashem, that a man has to have time with his wife, to the extent where he separates from his wife. This is what she couldn't fathom, that he's so much greater. And in a similar way was by the Miraglim. In their minds, what happened was as follows. Since Moshe Rabbeinu chose them al pi Hashem, so in this shlichus, they figure there's definitely no one greater and better than us and understand it better. And since in our eyes, the Miraglim think, we are the shluchim of Hashem. If in our eyes we think and we seem like grasshoppers compared to these people, so they were certain that that itself is also al pi Hashem. That's also obviously the right way. And this is surely al pi Hashem regarding to all Yidin. And therefore they come up with a conclusion from themselves or the way they feel about it. They're saying this about all the rest of the Eden as well. There's no way we'll be able to go up. In other words, since in their own minds going to Eretz Yisrael didn't seem to make sense logically, so they were involved in explaining this at great length in a way of Deba, speaking all about Eretz Yisrael and how it's definitely impossible to go. Says the Rebbe, now we'll also understand why Rashi adds the words, Dibra Biachia, which was one of our questions. Why is it relevant that she spoke about her brother? Says the Rebbe, because this adds even more to the idea that the Miraglim didn't take a lesson from Miriam in the way they're supposed to be evaluating someone that is really higher than themselves. What happened by Miriam? By Miriam, part of the sin was what Dibra Biachia, that she was speaking about her brother. How, what does that mean? A brother, as the Pasuk again describes in that story, Chatzib, sorry, is half of his flesh. In other words, we're part of, we're we're, we're half of each other. By nature, it's hard to imagine about one's own sibling that's part of yourself, and at the same time to believe, I'm so close to him, and yet he's so much, so much greater than me. And yet, even though Miriam seemingly had a right to think so, and yet she got such a punishment for this because no, Moshe Rabbeinu is, is completely removed from that level. How much more so by the Miraglim, the Miraglim definitely shouldn't have thought something even more than this, that all the Yidin, including Moshe and Aaron, have to follow the way they see it, the way they understand it in their decisions. Another diuk says the Rebbe in this Rashi is where it says, They saw and they didn't take a lesson. Seemingly, this word ro seems to be unnecessary. It seems to be extra. Why doesn't it just say Rishoyim Halalu? These Rishoyim didn't take a lesson. It says the Rebbe, we're going to understand this based on, again, a general question of the whole story of the Miraglim. What exactly happened by the Miraglim through visiting Eretz Yisrael? What caused over here this fear of going into Eretz Yisrael suddenly? And to say to the extent, what didn't they know before that now they're suddenly aware of and that's scaring them off? Seemingly, all of the things that they saw there, the power of the nation, etc., all of this they knew before. Because, number one, even in Mitzrayim, they knew what's going on in the land of Canaan. Number two, in the Shira Sayam, in Oziyashir, the Yidin are singing, all the people in Canaan are melting away in fear from us. In other words, they know what's going on in Canaan, they know about their strength. Because otherwise, what's the big deal that Nomoigu, that they're getting all scared and melting away? So clearly they know about the power of what's going on in Canaan, from these examples and more. And yet they were ready to go into Eretz Yisrael. So what suddenly happened when they saw what's happening in Eretz Yisrael? So the Rebbe says, we know the Maimar Chazal that tells us, you can never compare when you just heard about something to actually seeing it. As long as they heard about the strength of the inhabitants of the land, they weren't in the spoil from the difficulties and they were ready to go into Eretz Yisrael. 
However, when they see it with their own eyes, ki how strong these people are, this had an impact on them that they regret their, their previous um, decision that they're ready to go into Eretz Yisrael and suddenly they're scared off. And that's what we actually see in the story of the Miraglim. They emphasize a number of times, Ro'inu, we saw this, we saw that. And when they're, when they're telling all over what they saw, they says, and it also says, by Yar Umis Priyaris, they go and they show the people, the, the Yidin, the fruits of the land. It's all about Re'iyah, what they saw. Says the Rebbe, this is what Rashi is emphasizing. What else did you see? You also just saw the story of Miriam. You saw this lesson yourself. Since you saw yourself what happened with Miriam, that should have given you the strength to overcome the Nisoyen of what you saw in the land of Canaan. In other words, like this, if you would have only heard about the punishment of Miriam, so maybe we can demand of you why you didn't take a lesson, because the reason it brought to the sin was what you saw in the land, and you're only hearing about a story that happened with Miriam, so that's Shmia versus Re'iyah, maybe it's not as powerful. But Rashi is saying, Ro'u, you saw yourself this lesson, and yet you didn't take the lesson. In the final part of the Sikha in Siftes, the Rebbe says, from the Inyonim Mufloim, from the amazing ideas that we can take from this Rashi, more in the Chelek Halacha Shabbatayra, the Rebbe calls it Lichidudi Al-Kalponim. And the Rebbe says, by prefacing first the following question. At the end of the day, how does Torah put the parsha of Miriam next to the parsha of the Miraglim, where this could bring out a certain suspicion about Miriam, that in some way she is similar to the Miraglim, as we said before, a person seeing the two things together, could make that sort of calculation that there's some sort of comparison to them, between them. Isn't there a mitzvah in the Torah? We always have to stay in a situation where people are not suspecting us of wrongdoing. Here by Torah putting these two things together, we're now going to suspect Miriam being as terrible as the Miraglim. So the Rebbe says seemingly would be able to answer this based on Rashi's opinion in the Torah. There's a machloikas generally how the Torah was written. There is an opinion that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the whole Torah altogether at the end of the 40 years. But Rashi is of the opinion, like the opinion that says that Megillah, Megillah, Nitna, meaning to say that each section of Torah was written immediately as it happened. Moshe Rabbeinu wrote it down. According to this, says the Rebbe, it makes sense to say that the beginning of Parsha Shlach, that means everything that happened that day, even before the Miraglim go off for their 40 days. Rashi wrote it down immediately. In other words, everything that happened now, Moshe Rabbeinu from his part finished his job, Shlach Lecha, he sent the Miraglim, his connection to the Shlichas, he did now, and all of this he wrote down. Moshe Rabbeinu, being so, such a Zoriz, immediately writes down, because in this way, we, it won't be delayed, another Parsha, and Torah Shebeksav. Now, the Rebbe says, it's very, very obvious that every single day in the Midbar, including that day, which is the day, the seventh day of Miriam's quarantine, and Chavtesivon, um, the day that the Miraglim are sent off. Every single day, many, many, many things happened. We're speaking about 600,000 men, and the similar amount, and women, and children, and elderly, etc., etc. So there's many, many things happening. Especially when there is the Yidden travel from one place, they traveled from the place where Miriam was, and now they come and camp in a new place. That means they take apart the Mishkan, they have to set up the Mishkan, so many, so many things are happening. Amongst them, in other words, there's a lot of, lot of things that are happening between Miriam being healed and the story of the Miraglim being sent. 
between these two things, many things would have happened. So there is the setting up of the Degolim, of the camps, the way they were set up, and, the, and setting up the Mishkan. And then the Yidin come and approach Moshe Rabbeinu and ask for the Miraglim to send. The Rebbe says these are thousands and thousands of many details and, and things that would have gone on between the time that Miriam was cured and sending the Miraglim, including also things of mitzvahs and, and, and similar things. As we say, it was based on Hashem that they traveled, based on Hashem they camped, there was carbonis to be brought in the Mishkan, etc., etc. So when we speak about the fact that these two things come together right near each other, it's not that they actually happened one right after the other, there was many things that happened between them. What we are saying, however, is, the smichus was that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the parsha of the Meraglim, right near the parsha of Miriam. And it is only from this, that the Miraglim should have and could have taken a lesson. In other words, seeing that here Moshe Rabbeinu is putting down this is this Indian of the of what just happened to Miriam, and then very next thing that Moshe Rabbeinu is writing down is this idea: the Miraglim are being sent. This itself should give them the indication that they should be taking a lesson from this. And says the Rebbe, it's for this reason that we're sort of almost overlooking or ignoring the fact that by putting in the parsha, it might give you a little room for suspicion because. It's important to be able to protect the Miraglim, make sure that they don't end up sinning. Says the Rebbe, the question, however, still remains. There's a klal. We never tell a person to do a sin in, in order that somebody else should benefit, in order that somebody else should merit. So in other words, Sofkosov, there's a problem over here. The Torah is putting in something, a suspicion against Miriam. So the Rebbe says, Rashi is going to answer this question. With the words, Veloi Lokhu Musar, and they didn't take a lesson. Not Rishoyim Halaluchatu that these Rishoyim actually sinned. We're just speaking about the fact that they didn't take a lesson. How do we understand this? So the Rebbe says like this This concept that we never tell a person to sin, to benefit somebody else. Rashi explains this in the Gemara. What Rashi says is, We don't tell a person to sin. So that your friend, you sin a small thing, so your friend shouldn't get a much harsher punishment. That's what Rashi says. So the question the Rebbe asks is, why doesn't Rashi say, we don't tell a person to sin, so that the other person should have a merit, shouldn't have a sin, shouldn't, shouldn't be over an Aveira? Why are we worried about the punishment? Why are we saying we don't tell a person to sin, so you should, the other person shouldn't get a bigger punishment? Don't tell a person to sin, so the other person shouldn't end up with a bigger Aveira, or should end up with a schus. So the Rebbe says, that we have an opinion in Toysus, and the Rebbe says Rashi is agreeing with this opinion, that when we say that a person shouldn't do a sin, in order to prevent something else, this is only if the actual sin that the second person has done, has done it was done already, so we're going to say, you don't do a small sin to prevent that guy from getting a bigger punishment. However, if it's a situation that by me doing a small thing, I'm actually going to protect him from not doing a bigger sin, in that case, in certain scenarios, we would actually say, you do something small to protect the other person from something much, much, much more severe. Says the Rebbe, that's what Rashi means when he says in the Gemara over there, We don't tell a person to sin, and that person, the other person will get, in order to save the other person from, a bigger punishment. To emphasize the idea that it's only when there was this Easter was done already, and we're trying to make sure he doesn't get the punishment. How does that apply over here? 
Says the Rebbe, now we can understand why the Torah could put in something in the Torah to put these two parshies together, that's going to put Miriam in a certain way, in a certain suspicion by putting these two parshies together, because by putting these two parshies together, this was trying to help the Meraglim to learn from it, and L'Chatchila not to do a sin. So in this case, we would say, yes, we'll do something that even seems a little bit problematic, but in order to help the Miraglim not to come to the sin from the outset. Says the Rebbe, this is what Rashi is hinting with the words, meaning to say that the whole purpose of the Ro Musar, the whole reason why you saw what just happened, this lesson that was written down for you, the story of Miriam, was in order to guard you that Yilachat shouldn't come to the Avera, and you should end up acting only in the straight and proper way.